Hey all, welcome back to the Vela Podcast. It is so great to have you all back on listening. Today we have Will, who has been a member with us for a good few years now. Um, and I couldn't be more humbled uh, that he came on and shared this story with us. Um, as the title suggests, we do explore some dark themes um, and we discuss suicide. So uh, just a pre-warning, if that's going to be a little bit heavy for you at this stage, uh, you could save this episode for a little bit later um, or you could skip ahead. Um, it's early on in the chat. Uh, you'll know when to skip ahead. Just you know, hit that plus 30 a few times and um, move on to the beyond that part of the chat. We did also edit out a few sections. We agreed that some of what we talked about and, and what Will shared be a little bit too much and probably inappropriate and definitely unnecessary, something we probably don't need to talk about uh, to that level. So um, some parts have been edited out to yeah um, look after you guys listening and look after Will too. After that, though, the chat is yeah just lovely. Will shares how he managed to get himself out of a dark place and overcome a lot of struggles um, who helped him, where he sought help, um, and all those sorts of things, and it really just turns into just beautiful level of sharing between a couple of couple of guys. So yeah, it's it was lovely. So thank you, Will. You're a gun. Um, here's the chat with Will. Enjoy. We want to be our best, feel our best, and live our best. But achieving our best isn't as cut and dry as do fitness, eat good, get results, happy. To find joy, good health, balance, and contentment, we need to show Valor. This is Valor. Valor is courage. Courage to face challenges, to endure, to struggle, to be exposed to all of your vulnerabilities, and to face it all without any certainty of the outcome. On the Valor Podcast, we share the methods, strategies, and ideas that can help us all achieve our very best. This is Valor. All right, here we are. Welcome to the Bell Podcast. Today we have Will. Will, you've been a member for a while. About four years coming up now, yeah. a little bit before COVID. And Feels like longer though. Yeah. I don't I th- know why. I think the COVID thing kind of just pushed everything out. Yeah, <laughs> I reckon. I reckon. Um, but yeah, you've been with it for a while. Um, we've got a good little, what's well, tough story for you to share with us today. Um, I guess it's about... Oh, you just hit a few snags and had a few challenges in a few areas of life, but we're going to sort of talk about how you've sort of come out the other end because um, you're flying along. I'm sure it's still tough here and there, but sort of things have started going your way and it's been great to see. Yeah, it's been the last 12 months have been probably the hardest, you know, and I've, you know, with me and my, my boy, the boy's mum, um, we went through. Yeah, we lost a, a little girl at 22 weeks back in 2006, mm. um, and we got through that. And you know, Sid's was great and everything like that. But the last 12 months, I don't think, for a personal level, I don't think it's ever been as hard. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, before we get into the deep stuff, let's go back to the light stuff and just chat about the gym a little bit. <laughs> what um, what got you here? Uh, so I was doing CrossFit at Knoxfield uh, for about four years before I joined. Joined, uh, which was Cranbourne, CrossFit Cranbourne at that stage. Um, it was convenient. It was two, two doors down from where I used to work. So I'd go and do the 6 a.m. class Monday to Friday and then go straight to work. And, and then I stopped working at Knoxfield and that's when I joined Vic Pole. And um, it was, I couldn't justify traveling the 35, 40 minutes to training when I lived 10 minutes from here. So I come down, I'd done a, a few day classes, a few morning classes here and I loved it, loved the vibe. I loved the community more than, than anything else, you know. like At that stage, True was coaching in the mornings and, and there was Shannon and the group that we had there at the 9.30 class, which is the one I attended mainly, it was just awesome and just really welcoming. So I thought, yeah, I'll just stick around. And four years later, I'm still here and loving it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, we love it. It's definitely the best thing. It's, yeah. Wasn't I think when we started the gym, like we wanted it to be a good vibe and have a good community and that, but but we didn't think of it as much. I was like, I would just you know get in and train and teach people to lift well and have fun and like do all that side of things. But yeah, it's I don't know that the community side of it definitely makes it sort of unique and that extra bit special. Hey, yeah, the community, especially again in these last twelve months, the community has been what has really held me together and and, and it's given me like a when I when I've needed it, just that that lift. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, you never really think of a community as being able to, to pull you through. Like, you, you hear about, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, it's so-and-so, you know, I've got friends here and there, but you don't really feel that sometimes that you belong to that Yeah, community. I always thought growing up as a kid, the word community sounded like a bit of a wank. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. Community? Who needs community? <laughs> That's it, you know, like, you'd have it at football clubs and stuff like that, and even then, like, they disband, you kind of don't hear from them, but... Yeah, the last four years, you know, whether it be through COVID with the um, the online stuff and even just checking in, you know, you got members that just check in, like Tem was great through COVID and, and the injury and that, she'd just check in regularly to see how it was going and, and it was it was just nice to know that there's other people out there, you know, just, just watching your back, just got your back for a little bit when the shit's hitting the fans. Yeah, it's like as simple as that, just that little message or a check-in from someone. Yeah. Just helps you, you know, and a lot of it's maybe a bit of like that loneliness feeling, especially in COVID. Like, yeah, you could feel just so to yourself, mm. and you just have someone flick you a message or whatever. Oh, absolutely. You know, and again, f- through COVID, I was fortunate. I was working every day, and I was in the city at the start of it, and to see the amount of people that hated you for like literally people were hating you because you were doing a job. <laughs> you may not have agreed with the job, but they were hating you because you were stopping them from going out and stuff like that. So, well. It's not us, <laughs> you know. I'd much prefer to be going to see my brother and my family. Yeah, and everyone like wants that. to not do this. Yeah, like, that's exactly right. But no one's like, "Fuck yeah, <laughs> lockdown." Yeah, who loved lockdown? Absolutely. You yeah. Know? Um, but yeah, just the, the hatred from the general public, and it's still continuing now. We we pick that up, but yeah. you know, to come here and not be a copper, just to be Will the the member and laugh and chat and yeah that's that's the awesome part of it yeah good good um have you had any like peak moments here oh yeah yeah the last last few months yeah probably the last few months my lifting is and i don't want to sound like a flog <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no 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 not a flog. it's okay you're not self-promoting you're just proud of yourself yeah <laughs> the last few months my my lifting's come along in heaps uh, leaps and bounds um and I, and I do take that back to the fact that when i blew out my achilles i had to go back from lifting heavy to focus on technique especially early on it was all right, you couldn't how, jump yeah. yeah so how do i move correctly and, and things like that and all of a sudden now that i'm moving correctly and, and, that, and I'm, I'm lifting great um the other week we did the the push press um one rep max and i maxed out at 110 so yeah i'm stoked about that's that. that's crazy yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it was i always wanted to hit triple figures you know with my lifting triple figures yeah was, it's yeah, the sounds good yeah that's <laughs> it and then just to progress through it it was it was awesome um i tried the split jerk but i think i was just taxed i got to 110 in the split jerk as well so yeah um yeah i've been really really lucky to have you know you know yourself and ryan and tam christy when she was here true you know some really good people that just give me they don't try and refine or change my technique just little tips and and things like that i remember christy was we were doing the the deadlifts one day and she just said screw your feet into the ground yeah and that changed and, and you said just take the slack in the bar before you before you go to lift just take the slack in the bar and feel it in your hamstrings and all of a sudden my deadlifts changed i went from absolutely hating that lift because you know i don't want to hurt my back and yeah to all of a sudden yeah no worries 180 is my was was my my one rep max and it's like and i've done that easy with no belt and i felt good doing it and yeah it's just small things that you know you guys do for us that especially out on the floor it makes a difference and you know we walk out of here you know whether it be 180 kilo lift or a 60 kilo lift you know it's just those things that make us feel good about ourselves when we walk out so yeah we appreciate normal I'm sure everyone appreciates the coaches, <laughs> but yeah, it's good to, um, when you hit something great, it's just, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just a small thing and it helps. Yeah, that's good. It's probably the favorite bit coaching too, is when you do like give a cue and it works and you just see this change in the lift and then you see the person's face go, oh, fuck yeah, that feels really good. And you're like, yes, that worked because it doesn't always work. Nah. Um, there's like a saying in, these are a lot in CrossFit with coaching, like the best cue is the cue that works. Like it doesn't matter what you say or what you action. Doesn't matter how weird or stupid it sounds. If it works, it works. Yeah. Move on. <laughs> you don't have to say anything perfect. It's just got to work. So you try different things. I love Tammy uses lots of great like 
analogies, just strange analogies. And um, but for some people, like especially like visual or like spatial kind of learns, like oh that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, like she does like like draw your guns, like you know like you're in a shootout, draw your guns works for like a muscle clean kind of thing and stuff like that. So yeah, different things, different work uh, work for different people. Um, well, let's get into your story then. Um, pre-warning, uh, we will probably talk about some heavy stuff in here. Yep. Um, so if you yourself are in maybe a bit of a dark headspace at the moment and you're maybe um, not feeling it, maybe pause it now, wait till a, a later time and come back to it. It does come good though. It's yeah, coming good, but just be aware that you will talk about some dark stuff and that's going to be triggering. Then, yeah, I'd like to give you the heads up to just hit pause uh, until you feel ready. Uh, but now, whenever you're ready, mate, start from wherever you feel you want to start this story. Um, let's go. Yeah. So, it was about 12 months ago. Um, I was working a night shift, got a phone call from, I had two phone calls, one from my dad, my biological dad, and one from my mum. Missed calls. I was asleep. Woke up. Called dad back. He goes, oh, look, your nan's passed away. Not a huge surprise. She was fairly, you know, she was in her 90s. You know, she'd been in been in a wheelchair for ages. So not a huge surprise. Still hurts, but... Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then called mum, thinking mum was going to tell me the same news. But she goes, no, nah, your cousin had a brain aneurysm. Mm. Died. She was 31. So she's 10 years, 10 years younger than me. And she's just, yeah, woke up, not feeling the greatest, had a bit of a headache. Her husband was went down to get the car ready, come up to grab her, and she was dead. Hmm. So, um, so I, was, I finished the night shift off, um, packed my bags, and left on a Sunday night. Finished. I think I drove from two a.m. to about three p.m. to Tamworth for the for my nan's funeral. Got up there, had the funeral. Um, Spent a week up there, visited cousins and all that, and was was really cool. Um, got to reconnect with some of the family I hadn't seen in, in years because they were all up in New South Wales. Came back, and that's when my life kind of kind of changed. Um, I'd been with the same woman since I was eighteen years old, and I was forty one at that stage. So you know, we'd been married since two thousand and three, um, and things just weren't working. Um, no blame on anyone's behalf because you know it takes two for for anything to work and it just stopped um we love each other we still love each other now like she's a great person i've got all the time in the world for her but we just fell out of love um which sounds silly how can you love someone and fall out of yeah love? it's just different everyone knows <laughs> it's sort of just just different levels yeah um it just wasn't going right yeah and so we had the discussion and lots of tears and lots of tears more and Told, told the two boys and very fortunate that they understood. They were 14 and 12 at the time. Had a, had an understanding of what was going on, so it made it very easy to talk to them about it. You know, there was no secrets. There was no reasons, you know, no blame cast on either party. It was just this is what's happening. Um, so moved out, uh, moved into what I thought was a temporary fix into my, into mum and dad's. So 41-year-old 41 41 moving yeah. back in with mum and dad, you know, doesn't feel the greatest. Yeah. Um, uh, can't pause you quickly. Just on that, before that, um, I do remember when you were chatting, that you came to me and just sort of, just just to kind of let it out to someone really, which I really like feel honoured that, you know, you wanted to share that sort of private stuff. I thought that was, you know... There's only a few people people usually share that too. Um, but I just remember, I don't, I don't think I said too much, I just listened, but I just remember sharing with you that yeah, I went through my parents breaking up when I was oh, 11 or 12 or something. And um, I think what I did say was like, what you've got to do is just be open and honest and speak to each other and speak to the kids and that because... I guess what I was and what my brothers were sort of robbed of was that proper communication. So my parents didn't communicate properly. It just imploded. And then the communication to us was very, you know, he said, she said, different way. And there was a lot of a lot of blame and a lot of anger and upset and all that sort of thing. And it was, yeah, just just broken for a long time. When, and we sort of just internally kind of dealt with it. Yeah. Um 
because I guess my parents are both in a way the kind of people that maybe don't want to confront the things too much. They just they'd have that and then just move on yeah. and everything's fine again, you know? Yeah. So we didn't really speak up about what how it was going for us either. And so um, it was, yeah, it's really nice to hear that as obviously as tough and as painful as that was for you guys and to deal with those uncomfortable conversations and to have uncomfortable conversations with your kids mm. that by doing that, I'm imagining the relationship is so much better. Yeah, I mean, I'm, Again, I'm very fortunate. Uh, the boy's mum is just awesome with the kids. Like, the kids can go to her because they obviously live with her. They go to her with everything, anything yeah, and everything. Amazing. And then it gets communicated through to me, and and we try to deal with it as a family, um, which we still are. We're still a family. I mean, they're my boys, and 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 so we do what we can for each other to help each other out as much as we can for the kids. And you know, the communication has to be or what. We made it a priority that, you know, we communicate about the boys regardless of what it is, whether it's going to be good, bad, indifferent. Mm-hmm. We make sure that we're 100% and we're on the same mark so that there's no conflicting stories, there's no no conflicting advice or anything like that because at the end of the day, we're still parents and they're our kids so we've got to make sure that whatever we can give them going forward is going to be the best, whether yeah. it be together or apart. That's unreal. That's um Yeah, and it can be tough because... So much emotion goes on in that where you could quite easily just let loose and everything could break down. And oh, absolutely! Yeah, you know, it's always yeah, it's always easy to try and blame someone. Yeah, but to look at yourself and go, yeah, I I wasn't contributing to that relationship as well as I should have. Yeah, yeah, it it, it you've got to look at yourself absolutely. for it because again, as I said, it takes two to tango. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, moving in the parents, yeah. uh, which is always fun at the age of 41. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I'm, I, again, I'm extremely fortunate. You know, mum and my dad, who stepdad, but, you know, his dad, he's been dad for as long as I can remember. So, mum and dad took me in, open arms, no questions asked, let me move everything in. So, I had a, I had a home gym on order at the time. That turned up. He let me put it up in the backyard, in the in under the pergola. I've ordered my motorbike just after we we separated. You know, midlife crisis, so get a <laughs> motorbike. Um, that sat there. He let me bring put that in the garage along with all my gear, and um, yeah, and, and it was difficult. You know, the first few weeks after the separation, it was like, well, how do I how do I still be a dad? How do I stay connected to to my kids? And and that so I was working going back to their place because that's where they were, you know, picking them up from school or spending time with them. And I was still very awkward with the, with the boy's mum. But, yeah, it just, it didn't feel, didn't feel right. I was so conflicted on the inside that maybe, maybe I, I was too rash with the decision, decisions to, to separate and move on. And, um, and yeah, and then it got, yeah, that was probably the start of probably my downward spiral through the next few months. Um, and then come November 25th, <laughs> I remember the date. It's, it'll, it'll be forever burnt in my memory. I reckon by the time I release these, um, it will be roughly around that date. So. <laughs> um, playing basketball, the, uh, the warm-up for the day was one-on-one basketball. And I happened to be... Uh, Playing with you, you're playing with you. Who I'm at that stage, I or well, I still am garbage, but <laughs> I know how to try to defend someone, and that's about it. <laughs> it was it was a good yeah ten minutes. We're only doing it was the last oh, last few minutes of the warm up, and I've just stepped off just to try and get around you, and my right Achilles just went pop. I've turned around thinking that oh yeah, you may have just kicked me in the back of the leg, and. I remember you saying, it's your eyes were at dinner place. So yeah, you look like an owl. <laughs> um, like, what have you done to me? <laughs> hit the ground. I was fortunate. There's no pain. But I've just gone straight to the ground and gone, yeah. I'd read enough articles about Jared Ruffhead and Anthony Rocker and things like that. When they'd done their Achilles, that they turned around, expect someone to have kicked them and that, and then just nothing. So I thought, oh, I've done the Achilles and sat down and put some ice on it and taped it and then Christian come in and get, done the Anderson grip test and goes yeah you've done it and next thing I know I'm in, in your car heading off to uh, Casey Hospital <laughs> um, it was only like just out of lockdown too like yeah. the big big one I mean 
Um, so I wasn't even allowed to really stay in the old. I think they said I could, but they were sort of like, mm. yeah. it was it was very weird at the hospital. I'd been to a hospital during COVID, and it was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dumping hobbling. Yeah, it was in. like the dumping leaf, <laughs> hobbling uh. into the the waiting area. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so I was had that and had my. Um, so I put my half cast from the back of the leg in plaster with my toe pointed for for two weeks um no surgery or anything like that um but for for the first two weeks and they said oh, you'll see an orthopedic surgeon two weeks later and they'll make the decision so we got to december i went into the hospital they took the cast off it was purple the back of my leg pretty much from the base of my calf right through to around the back of my ankle was just purple swollen um Ne- I'd never in 41 years I'd never done a serious injury like I'd torn hamstrings and you know bits and pieces but nothing that I thought I'm going to have to rehab and do the right things here because you know I need this for work or in you know just gen- general life um, so yeah got to the hospital done that no surgery we're going to put you in a moon boot with your toe pointed for another four weeks on crutches and yeah and then it's that's where the recovery started um the recovery started for the leg but then the mental health started to really go downhill again um 41 can't drive living with mum and dad which and and that makes it sound like it's a a bad thing but it was it was really great but it was still not ideal um just separated can't get to see my kids when i want to see my kids um can't come to the gym the the thing that was keeping my mind active um away from from everything and then um we got to to christmas first christmas not being at home with the kids um i was me and the boy's mum said yeah i can or she said i can come over and so i come over and spent christmas morning with them stayed boxing day um and my young bloke said i don't even think he remembers i'm, I'm sure he didn't mean it he goes dad when are you leaving you know, it was, um, and it's just a flippant comment and, you know, a young bloke, he doesn't understand and by no means am I ever going to blame him for for what was happening mental health wise, but that kind of tripped me over the edge. It's like, even my own son doesn't want me around. Yeah, you create a story. Yeah. His story might have, the, what he, in, in the real language was like, oh, when are you going home? Yeah. Like, yeah, he absolutely. probably is like, doesn't want you to go home. <laughs> and he's like, oh, when are you going home? But he said, when are you leaving? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's it. Yeah, it's like, cop this, that. Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I love the kid to death and he's got no filter. And you know, the way that he talks, sometimes you sit there and go, if you weren't so tall, someone probably <laughs> would punch you in the nose. But yeah, again, he didn't mean it the way that it came out. But in my brain, it was, he doesn't want me around for Christmas. Mm. Um so yeah that sucked that sucked hard um so again down the down the slippery stroke you know the tunnel the light in the tunnel looks like a a pinprick miles and miles away you know i hate myself hate life um start thinking my own kid doesn't want me i've got nothing i've got nothing i've got no one i hate i hate myself hate hate myself and i the word hate is something, you know, it sounds stupid, but I hate the word hate. It, it, cause it's very definitive. I hate this. I hate that. Mm. I dislike things and I don't like things, but I'd never hate, say I hate something. But I hated myself. I um, wake up in the morning, look at the mirror and just despise what I was looking at. Um, so got through New Year um, and I started left foot driving which you're not allowed to do, but I was doing left foot driving just to get around. Um, it's not that you're not allowed to do, it's just insurance companies frown on it if you have an accident. <laughs> um. Trigger warning here. If this is too much for you, just skip ahead two and a half minutes. And one night I was coming home from the kids. I'd driven home. I was coming home from the kids and it just got too much. I had um, Went into a park, dropped the tailgate, put, stood in the back of the ute. Um, 
I took out my phone of all things and just went through some of the pictures of my kids. Um, some of the good times I had with, uh, with the boy's mum and, and I stood on the and literally thought, I'm going to And the more I stood there, the, the more you think of the kids and, and what you don't want to miss out. Like, I'm not scared of dying. Like, that's, that's, I don't know whether it's a morbid thing, but death doesn't scare me. But I didn't want to die at that stage. And I just went, nah, stood back, threw off the thing, cried. I don't know. <laughs> Two hours, I don't know how long I sat in the back of you, just born. Um, called myself every name under the sun, hit myself. Yeah, not, not in a good space. Um, not going to tell anyone about this. This is... You, know, you can't do it for work. You can't tell them for work because they'll they'll get you know put you in FMO and, and things like that and um, just not not worth not worth it. Just keep it to yourself. You'll get through it. Um, all all in the meanwhile, I'm starting to progress with the injury and I'm, I'm starting to do exercises at home and I'm, I'm starting to lift. Yeah, you know, starting to feel good doing exercises but it wasn't enough. It wasn't, it wasn't the connection that I was, I, you know, I could do it at home and felt good, and, but it, it, something wasn't right in my inside. Mm -hmm. um, Feb come along um, just before my eldest's birthday. Uh, he was turning 15. Um, again, another... Nothing that really triggered it, just I woke up just feeling like terror shit. So off we go again. Same 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 result. Mm. Sat sat in the car, cried, went home, threw the rope out. So get rid of the rope. I haven't got the rope. Mm -hmm. I can't I can't I can't do it. Threw the rope out. Then I said to my boss, I said, um, so my, yeah, I said to my boss, I need help. I can't keep going like this. So I went to the doctor and got onto a mental health plan. Um, went and saw a psychologist. Um, had a few meetings with one. Didn't really fit. She just kept giving me pamphlets. And I said, if I want to read pamphlets, I'll take them off. <laughs> you know, it, it's not... I, did, I wasn't getting anything out of just reading pamphlets. Um, so I'm not after you to fix me. Just help me. Mm. Just listen to my story and help me. And all she wanted to do was give me pamphlets. And by that stage, I was out of the moon boot, which was nice. Um, I spent 12 weeks in a moon boot. And I, start, I started to come back to the gym regularly. And that's when... It all started to help inside, you know, the psychologist, the gym, the relationship with my kids got better because I was able to be there more often. Um, I was able to get back to work. Even though I was on light duties, I was able to get, be at work a bit more and I wasn't relying on other people to take me everywhere. Um, it's a little bit of self-worth, I suppose, was starting to come back to. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little bit like... Um that loss of agency, that loss of control over your life. Mm, and you lost all of it. Like, you know, not only was it you couldn't walk and drive and work properly, but then there was that loss of the control, the ability to go and see your kids and all those things. So it's, mm. yeah, it's that agency is so important to people. Mm. And we don't often realize how important control over our own lives is, or even just a feeling of control over our own lives. Sometimes we have more control than we believe, but if we don't feel it, then it's not there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, just to regret, just to go back a touch, um, you guys sent out a Christmas postcard like you do every year, and I've still got it. I keep it with me every day. Um, and it was just simple note like that at that time before Christmas, which really helped. Um, and you kind of forget about it, and after the first attempt, I brought it out. I just saw it as I was walking through, the, you know, hobbling through the kitchen. I would say walking, hobbling through the kitchen. Saw it, and went, and just read it again. And I just, yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got friends out there. I've got people who care for me out there. And it felt good. Yep. Yeah, I come in. I think I come in a few times. Don't 
done a few classes while I was still on the crutches and in the moon boot. It just worked what I could. But then, yeah, you go back and you're just back in your own little pool, your own little circle, your own little hell. And you try not, and people say, well, why can't you just be happy? <laughs> if, I, if I could be happy, I would have been, you know. Um, the sadness just, the sadness and the hate, the hate is the big thing. Mm-hmm. I, I could never get over how much I had myself. Like, I've never, never thought I was that type of person to hate myself. But in those months, oh, it was horrible. Absolutely horrible. Um, and then the change, <laughs> the change came in oh, early April. I jumped on the scales and hit 100 kilos and went, what the actual fuck happened there? <laughs> when, did, when did I become a fat bastard? I went, <laughs> oh no. Um, so I came in and I saw Christy and I said, this has got to change. You know, I can't, I can't do this and I'm not. I don't want to be 100 kilos. And you hear ads about, you know, don't let your waist band get above, you know, 87 inch, 87 centimetres or whatever it is. And don't, don't do diabetes, hearts. And so on. 42. I've just had my first serious injury. Who knows how long it's going to take me to get back to full fitness. All right, let's see if I can get the weight under control. And speaking to Christy, Christy goes, don't worry about the weight. I'm 100 kilos <laughs> don't worry about the weight she says don't worry about the weight let's concentrate on your diet and your size she goes don't you step on the scale and that's the best advice I've ever gotten don't step on the scale don't if anyone has scales go in your bathroom pause this get them pull the batteries out smash them and then put them in the bin. Don't not smash them because you'll take them back out. Yeah. Smash the fucking things and get rid of them. They serve no purpose. Worst thing ever. Absolute worst thing ever. And I, <clears throat> to get into the academy, um, I had to watch how much weight I was because they went by BMI. Yeah. So I was starving myself to get into the joint because yeah, they, had, they had to be 27 BMI to get in and I was right on the edge. So it was, it was tough and I got out and, you know, as we all do, yeah. You, you become a very you know, seated job, you know, either in the van or paperwork, and you get used to being seated. So, yeah, you know, especially and when the injury hit, it was just mum fed me good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna blame mum for the yeah. <laughs> for it all. Mum fed me good. She um and yeah, and I just all of a sudden I went from you know 90 kilos to 100 kilos, and it just felt like I'd done it in an instant. And then yep. Christy said, just forget about it. Yeah, it's about process. Focus on the process. Just do the things and let that take care of itself. Yeah. And it'll just happen. That's it. And and it's like valuing your worth off the number is just not worth it. It should just be how you feel, how you think you look and things like that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have people who will um, feel great, step on the scales and it won't be the number and then they'll not feel great. You know, hang on, you felt great two seconds ago. Let's (laughs) fuck the scales off. Yeah, that's exactly right. And... And then stepping onto that 100 kilos, it, it, I thought if anything was going to be a trigger to go back into the depression and, and the hate and, you know, the name calling, it would have been that. But it was the complete opposite. And to this day, I don't know what changed from February to April. Mm. I, I, you know, other than the fact that I was becoming more independent, I was back here, you know, back at the gym a lot more. I changed. I was, I was trying to change my outlook on life. Um, one of the guys I, I work with got me reading Stoicism. You know, accept mm. the things you can, accept the things you can't change, and change the things you can't accept. Yeah. Um, I love Stoicism. I love it. It's it, it, that that just sticks with me. It's like it helps a lot. Yeah. I I read there's the the Daily Stoic. Yeah. You, it, yeah. And it's just on. one reading a day with a little brief after it. And you just, I'd get up in the morning just ritually and just read it while I'm having breakfast. Yep. And you could just sit on it and think about it and it would cover all sorts of themes and topics and that. Um, I've also read, like since then, I've read Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, which is hard to read because it's very old. Okay. Old, but it's it's really good. Um, and all of Ryan Holiday's books because all of his books are very stoicism based. 
Um, but I am so much more calm in like conflict, um, in work, in everything. Like I'm very good at regulating myself now. Uh, even like prioritizing things like sleep and all these different things. And, and yeah, like you said, control, understanding what you can and can't control. And I put a lot of that down to reading uh, books on stoicism. Yeah. Absolutely. It just changed the outlook. Maybe maybe it wasn't a big change to begin with, but it, it planted that idea in your head that you don't have to, you don't have to worry about what that other person's doing or you don't have to worry about what the other person's lifting or you don't have to worry about how good the other person looks you don't have to be jealous of them except the person that you are and accept the fact that if you're changing then you're making the right steps mm. it sounds like yeah you've kind of taken a shift from very like extrinsic kind of thoughts like what you know what my children thought of me and what you know my partner and you know maybe even through work and things like that or in the gym like you just said to more like just focusing on yourself like what do I think and what motivates me and even like the scales like that's like a real in for you that became a real intrinsic motivator you took it in a way of not oh everyone's going to think I'm whatever you're like fuck I can't have that yeah and so that became really motivating for you so there's that I feel like there's that difference between that you've gone from external like what's everyone else think to just what do I think and what can I control oh absolutely I, I think right through Right through school and everything like that, you know, you always want to be liked. You always want to be mm. part of the popular kids and things like that. And, um, you know, you try and find... You try to find yourself, but you, you also want to be part of who they are. And it's t it took me till 42 to actually realise that, you know, I'm not... Um, I don't have to be the popular kid. You know, to be happy. Mm. You know, I'm quite happy being, you know, a bit weird, you know, a bit bigger and, and, and know that my life's still going to be what I make it. And, and that was, it, that's been a real, real cool change. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't get me wrong, I still have days where I'm a bit down, or, you know, I find it hard to, to get the love. Mm -hmm. But every day now is just, you wake up and I'm happy to talk to anyone about anything, you know. This isn't, you know, I'll talk to anyone about suicide. Mm. It's shit. You know, three times the men commit suicide to women. Mm -hmm. um, I was very fortunate the other day through work, we got to do a, um, a mental health training course and that gave me more tips and that's more stuff that I didn't realise about mental health illnesses and suicide and, and, and everything like that. And you look at people and you know you go oh jeez I wish I had their life you know like oh, I, I wish I was yeah you know, I wish I, I wish I was Stu and you go but I don't know what Stu's going through you know mm -hmm. I don't I don't know the challenges he's facing I don't know at the outside it all looks rosy and perfect and you're floating along but until you can actually sit down and talk to someone and talk to them about stuff that's important to them you won't know what's going on so I'm very fortunate in the job I get to talk to a lot of people going through those those challenging times and I think I'm a little bit more empathetic now towards that because I've been through you know my attempts my dark I like to think that that was probably my darkest days you know those two times when I'm sitting on the back of the ute mm. just ready to just ready to you know like literally it was tailgate and it was just one step all it was is one step <laughs> one step um, I said to my kids years ago fear's only one step once you take that first step fear's no longer an issue and I couldn't take that one step <laughs> I, just, I just thought of that then actually <laughs> um, that wasn't something yeah, well, do you know, it's, it's actually almost kind of like in reverse there like yeah. I think you not stepping is that was, that was the step that you needed to take was to not actually step yeah in a reverse way is taking that step. Yeah. You absolutely. going, actually, no, that's what you, that was the fear that you faced. Yeah. You, yeah. It was, um, yeah, I never thought of it until, until then and talking about fear, but we had, um, yeah, it was, 
<laughs> Sorry, I've got myself off track there. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Like, I, I, yeah, I think that that's, that actually fits perfectly because if you, yeah, took that step, not took that step, mm. that was you, yeah, not wanting to face your fears. Yep. You saying, no, I'm staying here and I'm going to face it. That's you taking that step to face your fears because your fears were all these things that were in front of you, your Achilles, relationship, kids, all these, you know, hateful feelings and stuff, having to turn around and face them rather than step away from them. That's that. That is the exact advice you're giving to your kids. Yeah, absolutely. Step into your fear. Yeah, there's um, yeah, and you, you read things. Yeah, you know, what does fear stand for? Face everything and rise, or mm. I don't know what the other one is because I just don't look <laughs> at it. <laughs> I don't look at it. Um, but yeah, I I've taken a lot of small things and and tried to build up like a bit of a shield and something that I can use just to protect myself with um, stoicism. You know, little things like that. Uh, photos I now take heaps of photos of my kids yeah before I'd take bugger all I was hopeless at photos <laughs> the boys the, the boys mum used to hate it she, you know, I'd have no photos of my kids or her on the phone now I take constant you know we go out mini golfing I'm taking selfies of us and you know, it's just real yeah, dick dad moves type yeah. of thing you get the dad jokes out and having a ball with them um, but I'm enjoying I love life now you know everything from April onwards, it's been a progression, you know. I'm understanding a lot more with the the, the gym. I'm, I'm eating better. I'm living a better, well, what I feel is a better life for me. Uh, I No way would I try to say my life's picture perfect mm. and the way I live's the be yeah. all and end all. Do you feel like you've taken the ex- that pressure off yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. I don't need to be perfect. No. You know, I don't need to be the best lifter or the best dad or the best partner or best son or, or anything like that. I just need to be with me. Yeah. Yeah. And if I stuff up, yeah, put my hand up, say, yeah, I stuffed up. I learn from it and I make changes not to do it again. Um, we can only go on what, if we do things with our best intention, then we can't be wrong. Yeah. But a lot of the times I think we do things trying to please other people and yeah. Yeah, we get the intention all wrong. Yeah, there's um, in um, social psychology, there's these. Um, I did this again. I did it the other week. I forget the name of it, but there, it's it's about self self schemers or like self identity theory. Um, and so we sort of have like our actual self. So it's who we are or who we kind of perceive ourselves to be. And then there's these two kind of like sort of like future selves. There's the ought self. Um, and there's the ideal self. So the ought self is all those things that we think we need or who we think we ought to be. And that's usually according to your friends, society, your parents. It's what you think that they believe you should be. And then you've got your yeah your ideal self. And that's who you want to be for yourself. Um, now, there's a, there's a gap between your actual self and the ought self and the ideal self. When we chase the um, the ought self, that gap that we haven't quite achieved yet or we, ha- we, we can't live up to or can't uh, reach causes feelings of uh, really hurt feelings, like feelings of shame, um, sadness, you know, loneliness, those sorts of things. We feel terrible about ourselves. The gap that we have with our ideal self the things that we want to achieve and who we want to be when you can't achieve them you feel disappointment but like often motivation and uh, you you can still feel negative feelings but they're a more intrinsic motivated kind of feeling so a lot of people in definitely in this in western society or actually a lot of societies uh, try to achieve the ought self what does mum and dad want me to look like or how they want me to act and when and, and you can think of it, and I think everyone listening now, when they've ever done that, there is that instant like pain or that like shame feeling that you have when you're trying to do something to impress or you know, yeah, uh, live up to someone else's expectations. Yeah. And when you can back off that and focus more on the your own ideal self, um, those feelings of shame and that go away, and these feelings of motivation and drive show up. 
Um, it's a really important thing that I learned this year studying psychology that I've spoken to people here a lot about because it's very relevant in the gym about why people want to join the gym. Um, it, a, lot of, a lot of people want to join the gym to lose weight, but it's also important to identify why you want to lose weight. Are you wanting to do it just for to be accepted in social media or accepted by your parents or accepted by society? Or are you wanting to do it because you want to be healthy you want to feel good about yourself. You want to avoid hospital, all those things. Yeah, the important and things in life. Yeah. Exactly. And those two things, one's ought and one's ideal, and one's far more motivating than the other, and the other one's full of shame. Yep. And the shameful ones, not only do you or almost never, or you don't, you never achieve them. Um, they're harder to motivate, motivate yourself for. They're harder to keep consistently working towards because you hate it. You hate every reason for it and you resent the person that makes you feel that way. Sometimes the person's never actually said it, but it's that, you know, you've created a story even that that's how you think you should be for everybody and everyone else. Um, And if we flip it to that other side and think about what do I want for me to be a better me, to be a better whoever, that's when we make good change. Yeah. Those oughts that you're talking about, you know, you see that all, I see them regularly through, through work. You know, usually it's the 17 to 22 year olds that, you know, can't live up to mum and dad's standards for schooling and all of a sudden they get into drugs and then they then it's the suicides. Mm-hmm. And you just wish that you could, like now it's easy for me to say, but grab them and say, look, life's, life's good. Life will get better. This, yeah. this small four years of your life where it sucks ass isn't going to be like that for the rest of it. You know? yeah. You're going to get through. You're going to find something that you're passionate about. And social media really extends that further too. Hey, you're seeing all these people that, like you sort of said, feel you look like you think they're living the life yeah. because they're putting up their highlights real. Um, and you think, well, I need to be like that to be accepted socially into all these yeah. things. And I think that's crushing that same age group as well, even younger. Oh. Um, yeah, and it's yeah, like you want to just shake them. And be like, ah, what do you want? Don't don't worry about them. Yeah, and that's a hard thing. I mean, especially with kids nowadays with social media like i don't want to bang on about you know trying to be a good parent and anything like that but trying to encourage my kids not to worry about other people's perception of them don't give in to what social media believes is the way to be yeah parents nowadays and kids oh, kids nowadays kids nowadays oh, i would not want to grow up in this era no be tough. oh with social media i remember yeah, if we didn't like someone, go down, have a punch on. That's it. Yeah, you'd <laughs> square it away, and you'd be you'd, you'd turn out to be mates at the end of it. Yeah, well, imagine like if you had like a fight. I think I this might have been spoken on about the imperfects or something. Though, where they talked about um, if you had a fight in the class, you know, in in the schoolyard, word gets out. This is before social media. You know, it would have gotten out to the people on the oval, and then eventually maybe to the next year level. And then, you know, after time to the principal and to your parents and that's it. In today's age, if you get on a fight on the schoolyard, it is on social media in five seconds. Sorry. It could even be live. And dealing with that, the aftermath of that socially is tough. No, not even an adult has the, not many adults would have this social and emotional intelligence to deal with that. And it doesn't have to be a fight. It can be anything that just gets put up there in the world. Straight away. Oh, that's scary. Yeah. (laughs) And we deal with it at work as well because everyone's got cameras now. So every time we talk to someone, we get scrutinized. We got someone's, I'm allowed to record you. It's my right. Yeah, mate, that's fine. (laughs) Just get out of my face so I can do my job, you know. But they're there and they're they're waiting for you to make a mistake or say something wrong so they can then shame you on social media this copper doesn't know what he's doing he's a dickhead you know this and that and that puts stress on you yeah that's that's yeah yeah you sit there and go i'm so so heavily scrutinized in work that i don't want to make a mistake but you're going to make a mistake because we're human you know you're going to make a mistake at some point in life you know whether it be work outside work and to be so heavily scrutinized again with social media is Screw Tough. that. Yeah, it is. Tough. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're the same. We try to teach Harper, like, you know, she doesn't have it and we don't let her use TikTok. I'm not, that's not happening. Um, the, the dance stuff, that's great. But the rest of it is, 
yuck. Um, I think she watched it for a little bit, maybe early lockdown, and then good video, good video, good video, and then something rank, and I was like, you can't watch this. This yeah. is not cool. Um, but yeah, we tried weekly, I reckon, talk about just not caring about the thoughts and opinions of others. And I'd say people are often so caught up in themselves anyway that if they did have a thought or opinion about you, it's gone. Like, yeah. they no longer care. Yeah. No one actually cares that much. You spend more time worrying about what other people think of you than what other, other people actually do think of you. Yeah, no one cares. Yeah. The, no They're one, too worried about themselves. Yeah, that's it. No one, does, no one cares if you're wearing a bright yellow t-shirt yeah. on the street, you know. It's only you that cares yeah. about it, you know. But And... Yeah, we try and oh yeah, with my boys. It's the the boys' mum always says, "Be unique." There's nothing wrong with being unique. It's not weird or anything like that. It's not be unique, be yourself. And and so far, Touchwood, they're doing really well with it. Yeah, they're doing really well with it. It's just about like maybe helping them have the tools to handle it when someone yeah. doesn't like them or is a bit unkind to them. Yeah, you just like don't worry about it. Just ignore them. It's That's fine. It. I think I remember when I was a. In grade six, I think, oh, like my parents never, there was three boys, you know, my parents, my, my dad worked full time, mum was like part time swimming teacher and that, but like, they just didn't want to spend money on the expensive clothes and stuff like that. And living on the peninsula, everyone wore triggers, had Nike shoes, all the stuff. We had, I don't know, big W shoes, I don't know. We yeah. didn't have, we didn't have the shoes. And I remember once in grade six, mum finally let me have a pair of Nike shoes. And like the next day, two of the, like the cooler guys acknowledged them as well. Like, oh, cool. Like they, they let me know that I was socially accepted because I had the Nike shoes on. Yeah. And that's so wrong. <laughs> but that's how it is at that yeah. age as well. Absolutely. Um, I do love at Harper's School at Dev Meadows, the other day some kid was talking about how they got their clothes from Best and Less. And the other kid's like, Best and Less? My clothes are from Best and Less. <laughs> and I was like, that is fucking awesome that they're stoked about Best and Less. Yeah, absolutely. Because I had pressure to wear Nike and I'd, my mum was not buying me Nike. Yeah. Oh, um, but and it's so silly because like the only reason I cared about and like ooh, felt good about being validated was because I just wanted to be socially accepted. Yeah. Whereas if I was brought up and my parents were... You know, that's a different age. They weren't really... That, none of our parents in that generation talked about that that much. But if they were like, who cares? It doesn't matter. It's not important. If, if they have to think of you that way, if it takes wearing Nikes for them to like you, they're probably not worth liking. Fuck them off and get some different friends. Oh, absolutely. I wish I was told something like that. Because, um, yeah, the same. I think growing up, there was always that pressure to want to fit in. And what I really admire in my wife, Court and Harper, is they just they don't give a shit they lead the way they like what they like they wear what they want and and because they carry it so comfortably everyone ends up following them all yeah. the kids at school wear what Harper wears and all the kid, all the people at the gym the ladies at the gym end up wearing the same clothes Court wears <laughs> that's it it's just personal confidence and the ability just not to give a fuck yep yeah, the gen- well, there's a book there you know? yeah there's the a gentle book. art of not giving a fuck yeah. yeah it'd be awesome it'd be awesome if everyone just didn't care but we do, and, and that's when you, know, you can get back into that, that slope down to depression, anxiety, um, suicide. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry to giggle while saying that. There was just kids leaving the dance studio next door, and I think a child just ran for it, <laughs> and which is always a bit scary in a car park. I don't yeah. think there was a car, but... Uh, we're all good. <laughs> Mum losing the plot. Kid is okay. Mum has screamed. She's, yeah, we're happy now. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I've gone off on a tangent. Sorry, guys. Um, but yeah, so having that change back in April to focus on you know myself and, and really start to go, I love myself. I love what I do and, I, and I'm enjoying being at the gym and I'm seeing improvements and yeah. The last few weeks has have actually been really good. I haven't hit the marks I've wanted to hit. Um, I've had a few bad classes, and usually it's on a Friday for some reason. Yeah, Grateful Friday, and I'm hitting. I'm having a bad class. I'm thinking, oh God, I've got to find something great. I'm grateful for. But it's <laughs> actually quite easy, you know. Yeah. You sit there and you go, like the other day, you know, a bad second, a bad minute, a bad hour. It doesn't define your day. You know, if you can get, if you have those moments. But the rest of the day has been fantastic. Don't let them destroy that day. You know, think of that. You know, find that positive and let them that wash away. Um, and the other week, I didn't hit the um, didn't hit my uh, my one rep. 
that I wanted for the, the snatch. Before, that would have eaten me alive. I, I would have stewed on that for ages. I would have hated myself. I would have gone, called myself every name under the sun. But I was okay with it. You know, I walked away going, eh, oh well. That's the stoicism. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's the you know? stoicism. <laughs> You're but, calm. Yeah, that's it. And it was really, it was really strange. Like it was one of those ones where I actually sat there and went, eh, so Next what? time. Yeah. And that was, that's not me. Like, that would never have been me. Like I would have kicked the, kicked the wall, punched something, <laughs> you know, jumped in the car and screamed at myself or something, you know, useless fucker. And, but like, literally I went, oh, next one, you know, and I just moved on and I thought, wow, that's a big change from where I was start of the year when if that had to happen start of the year, oh, down the side I go again. Mm. Straight back into the, that pit where I just would have to fight and tooth and nail to find a better reason. Yeah. But yeah, everything's everything's changed. Like and it's great. Like my relationship with the kids is great because of it. My relationship with my with their mum is fantastic. I'm meeting people, I'm talking to people. I've got a really great network outside now which I talk to and care for me and and it's it's awesome. Life, and I don't want to sound like I'm preaching here because you know, there's nothing worse than some wanker sitting there going, oh, life's fantastic. And, but life is great. Like now, I wake up in the morning and go, yep, another day. Cool. What can I learn today? What can I achieve today? And I, and I am learning, you know, whether it be work or the kids teach me something or, you know, or it could be just as simple as, you know, the other day, I helped a bloke yeah, you know, he fell over on the road. We stopped, helped him up, walk off, and gave him his number. Gave him his name. Said, "Call me." Called him up, make sure he's all right. Yeah, he goes, "Oh, I want to give you some money." No, 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 it's all good. Don't, don't need it. You know, seriously, give it to, keep it to yourself. Go to the pub, do whatever you want to do with it, mate. He went to the Cranbourne Police Station, spoke to someone at the Cranbourne Police Station, and they sent me an email saying, "Old oh, mate's come in. Just wants to thank you. He's put a donation in the blue, uh, the Blue Ribbon Foundation." excellent cheers mate yeah and you do things not because you want reward or anything like that but just because life's supposed to be lived happily you know and if you see someone that needs help help them so yeah the total total change yeah in in everything that i've done so unreal i'm loving life now that's good yeah unreal and it just takes a few things like things do get better i guess that's the message just things will get better it's hard work yeah you have to do a bit of things like look things get better sometimes when you don't do things you just mm. just let it just write it but then I, I guess just trying some things whether it was talking to someone talking to a psych or reading some books or going to a gym or whatever at some point things get better it's mm. important to just hold on to it and you probably wouldn't have thought in January that things would be better by November no way but they are and anyone can do that oh absolutely and it just it comes down to for me, it was not taking, as we said, not taking that step, going, you know what, there is more There is more life to live and there is better things to do and you don't have to. Life life isn't dark and, and this and that. There is other stuff out there. Um, <clears throat> not taking that step changed everything for me. Mm-hmm. But I had to get to that point to go, you know, life can change and life can get better. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't easy and it wasn't a long, it wasn't a short road. It was a long process. And I'm still going through it. As I said, I still have moments now where it gets dark and, you know, the voices start to come back. But I can now kind of ignore that. You know, it comes in, I feel it. I assess it, go, yeah, you know what, I'm feeling bad, why am I feeling bad, what's going on? And then I can just kind of push it away and, mm-hmm. and it's not that I'm not dealing with it, but I know how to cope with it and, and find my, my path out of that. Yep. Where before it was... Oh. Yeah, you just tell it it's wrong. It's like, it's just a story, it's <laughs> just a limiting belief, it's just a, it's just a negative thought, it's not real. It yeah. doesn't have to be real. It's real if I make it real. Mm. But it's not actual factual, it's just thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great. So, yeah, and then... Now here I am, and twelve months later, and ready to move on with the rest of my life. It's Unreal! Awesome. That's so good. I'm so looking forward to to what's next for you. Um, thanks for sharing that, mate. That's a big, like, it's a big, heavy story. Um, 
So, yeah, really, really brave of you to share that. And I know that's a very helpful story for a lot of people, very just relevant to a lot of the struggles that people go through. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Nah, no worries. Thanks for having me on. Um, if anyone wants to talk to me, uh, either hit me up through Messenger or at the gym and that, and I'm happy to catch up because you're not alone. As yep. much as you think you're alone, there are people out there that have gone through it or going through it that want to help because everyone, as much as we probably don't think it, everyone does, yeah, we do care for each other and we want to make sure that everyone is okay. So. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if anyone sort of is listening from outside the gym, you just reach out to us and we can always put you on to him. Uh, but as always, like there's always lots of supports out there um, beyond blue. Um, Black Dog, there's many of things. I'll, I'll put them in the show notes for you. Uh, but yeah, beyond shout blue, out. Awesome. Yeah, Beyond Blue great. So shout out and uh, yeah. But yeah, well done. Thanks, mate. Cheers, Stu. This podcast was recorded on Boon country. I would like to acknowledge the Boon people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional owners on which this podcast is recorded and extend my respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples past and present. Thank you very much for listening to the Valar Fitness Nutrition Mind podcast. My name is Stuart Cunningham. If you enjoyed the episode, please send us a like, send us a comment, share it with a mate, give us a rating on the iTunes or whatever you're listening to this on. Every little bit of support helps. Looking forward to bringing you some more stuff next week. This is-